in recent times, <laughs> I want to convene the Marin Housing Authority Board of Directors. Welcome everyone. If we could have the roll taken, Divi, and I uh, read on how people can participate remotely. President Moulton Peters. Here. Vice President Rodoni. Here. Supervisor Sackett. Here. Supervisor Lucid. Here. Supervisor Rice. Here. Commissioner Hall. Here. Commissioner Canson. Here. If you are joining us today on Zoom and would like to participate, please use the raise hand icon located on your screen. If you are participating by landline, press star nine to raise your hand. When it is your turn to speak, your name will be called. After your name is called, you will be prompted to unmute your device. Or if you are participating by landline, you will hear that you are unmuted. That concludes the instructions and I will pass the meeting back to President Moulton-Peters. Thanks very much. Our first item 14A is approval of the minutes for the meeting of May 16th, 2023. Are there any qu uh, corrections or additions? No corrections, I don't see any. Is there any public comment on the me uh, minutes? I'm not seeing anyone in the chambers. Is there anyone on Mon Peters, there are no speakers in the queue. I'll move the adoption of the minutes. Okay, great, thank you. Motion by Sackett, second by Lucan. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Item is Board of Commissioner Matters and the Executive Director's Report. I'm going to invite the Board of Commissioners. Are there any comments? Commissioner Canson, anything about the driveways getting paid mm, down there? <laughs> so I, I want to congratulate um, the maintenance team for paving uh, the driveway for 419. I know it took a long time, Dante. Mike and the whole team actually and of course the property manager Yoshika I want to really congratulate you it looks wonderful and I'm hoping that we can get the rest of them I know that was the worst one and I know how long it took um, but I really want to congratulate you and I'm so thankful that you did it wonderful thank you for that yes please Commissioner Hall um, I would just like to uh, uh, congratulate uh, Director Carol and her staff up at 4020. I happened to witness some amazing stuff up there for those ladies at the reception desk. Mm. And they need to be appreciated because some of the stuff that they had to deal with and the people, and they were like taking a deep breath and trying to be helpful. And 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 some I just want to acknowledge them because for me to see that, I mean. People don't, you think that's just because you're at the front desk, the job is easy. That, the job they were doing that day, I think I probably would have blew up, but they were very professional and uh, they need to be commended for that. So I just want to say thank you to them. Yeah. Okay. And now we'll turn it over to the executive director and I'm hoping Kimberly, you or Orlando is going to tell us all about this great yes, stuff on is. the flyer. Okay. Okay. Good afternoon, commissioners. Um, I want to first thank you for making those comments about this amazing team that um, I have. And I have a lot of them here tonight or this afternoon, and I appreciate their support. So they have, I have a really awesome team that does a lot of this with us. So 
Okay, so I wanted to first just give you a, um, a couple updates on our waiting list. We had a few open waiting lists last month, and um, I just wanted to give you an update on that. The Golden Gate Village public housing wait list was open um, for two, three, and four bedrooms. And it just closed. It was open May 22nd through June 9th. And we currently have 571 applicants that from this opening. We had a, um, an opening, as you'll remember, in April as well. So uh, we're really building that wait list. The staff will begin determining the eligibility based on the household composition of these eligible candidates. And then we'll be contacting all of the applicants. Also, the Vivalon waitlist just closed last month, and we have 238 applicants on that waitlist, and we are excited to get the intake and the move-in process started for Vivalon. Um, the team is working with Eden Housing on this project, and we will be moving in 60 new seniors in August. So that's really exciting that that is actually, you know, we're moving forward. And the waitlist for the South Elysio um, permanent supportive housing will open June 20th. And these applicants are going to be coming through coordinated entry directly to the housing authority. We're working with, um, we'll be working with our new, our new housing staff that we've hired in partnership with the, with the county to really help get these processes done as quickly as we can. And to remember, this project is a recently renovated property with 43 SROs. Um, the units will have permanent supportive housing and chronically homeless individuals will all be moving here. And so we're, we're really happy and excited to be part of this and it is moving along. Um, and then I just wanna move to public housing, some public housing updates. Our Golden Gate Village Resident Council held their elections last month and we had a total of 10 candidates that were interested in the four open seats. We are pleased to announce three new Golden Gate Village Resident Councils We'll be joining the returning members of Royce McLemore and Danielle Hoff um, on this five-person board, along with Royce, Sharon Hayes, and Siddiqui Thomas and M. Callie Foster are our new council members that were voted in by their fellow residents. So we had, uh, we had more residents get involved in the election this year, and we're just gonna keep moving forward to, to try to get more and more residents as we do the, uh, these elections, but this was a great turnout. We're really excited to get new, have this new board to work with. Uh, we also have the Golden Gate Village Resident Council's office. It has in office furniture has just arrived. Dante and his team are putting it all together and have put in a new a new sink and countertop for the for the resident council in their office space and painted it. And so they're going to be ready to open their doors for service Thanks, in July. So they're really excited. We're really excited to have them be our neighbor right there by the community center. And the community center is in full swing. And let me just underline full swing under the director, uh, the directorship of Orlando Wiggins. You want to come on up, Orlando? Um, you know, I, I, so I've asked Orlando to join us today just to be able to um, share all the great stuff that's happening. Uh, it really has quite a buzz right now in, in the community. So, hold on. I think this works. Right, yeah. Good afternoon, everyone. <clears throat> Usually I say good morning, but I'm well past that time. So, um, good afternoon. Please excuse me, I have not shaved and I'm looking kind of rough on camera, but don't worry about that part. Um, so yeah, the new community center is in full-fledged uh, it's going really well. I think I've put one of these on your uh, desk 
along with it being on a slideshow. Um, we have all these awesome new programs that's actually active. Um, Community Action Marin, Marin Health and Human Services, Career Point, Domestic Peace, YWCA. So, I mean, YWCA, yes. Always want to say YMCA. Um, so with Community Action Marin, they have been there uh, every week and they have been very effective. They have been successful. People are coming in, residents are coming in and that is going very well. It's actually going very well with all the programs but I got to point out some that have been uh, very supportive. Career Point has also been there doing uh, job development, uh, career work um, and it has been so successful um, looking to get more of our youth involved with that program, which is really exciting. Um, I don't think you guys have copies of some of the other flyers that I bought and I do brought with me and I do apologize. I should have made more copies. We're also launching a computer class for seniors. There's a lot of seniors in our community that does not have uh, uh, computer literacy and we're doing that. Uh, we've partnered up with um, the YWCA and by us partnering up with them, we've also qualified for a grant. We just received, let me give you the exact number, $49,180 to go towards computer literacy for the seniors in our community. So I'm really excited about that. <clears throat> so with these classes for, uh, computers classes that will start in July. If the residents go for seven weeks, they will receive a $100 gift card. Um, we're also in the process of purchasing iPads for the residents that participate, which I'm also excited about that also. Um, one of the most exciting things that I'm excited about is our new courts. We have new pickleball courts and we have new basketball courts. And I believe you might have a slide of these courts. Um, you guys are more than welcome to come down and play pickleball. Um, we opened up the court today and I played. I sent Kimberly the video, but she wasn't able to get it. Thank you. I'm glad you didn't put that up. <laughs> so um, I'm excited about pickleball. It starts this Thursday, June 15th from five to six. We'll be giving out free lessons. So if you want to learn more about it, June 15th, please come out. Um, there will be more lessons given, but this one here is uh, like our grand opening for our pickleball court. Uh, the last flyer uh, I have, as you can see, there's the pickleball court. That's pretty exciting. I like those colors. Um, please come by and visit if you haven't came to see the courts. Um, I believe you guys probably received this. We are hosting a three-on-three -three tournament um, with the residents, uh, collaboration with county probation, the sheriff's office, Play Marin, and Marin Housing. We're doing a three-on-three -three tournament uh, the 24th of this month. We will have DJs. We will have trophies. We will have... Uh, jerseys for everyone that participates so if you guys want to participate i have a jersey in your size um this is free we're really excited about that um i think it's going to be a big hit in the community the 
community has already started coming out, playing on the court as soon as we were finished a week ago. They started coming out, so I'm really excited about that. And uh, I'm excited about everything that's going on. Again, I thank Kimberly for bringing me on. Um, I've been trying to make a difference in our community. And as you can see from these programs that's been put in place, the difference is being brought to light. So thank you. I do. Thank you. I, and, and it really, last night I was there at a, at a resident council meeting. I left about 7.30 and there was probably about 15 kids out there on the basketball court playing basketball. And it was just a great, it, it makes this work really made sense to me just to see all that happening. So it was really, really fun. And I, that's, just the, that's just the beginning with everything else that's happening, gonna happen over the summer. So um, with that, I wanna jump right into our Golden Gate Village revitalization update. And um, today what I've, I've asked Kyla, uh, Kyla Price and Mike Andrews as our development consultants to give a brief high level overview of our development partner selection process, um, our overhousing of resident status, Marin Housing's corrective action plan with HUD and our resident involvement and engagement plan that we're doing. So I'm gonna let Mike is on uh, the Zoom and Kyla. And we're having some technical difficulties, so we're going to be controlling the presentation from here. So a little bit of patience with us. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Mike, can you are you able to talk? I, I am. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Great. Great, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. It's good to be with you again. Thank you for taking time on your agenda for uh, an update on Golden Gate Village. Um, so we have prepared a report for you today to give a status of a variety of uh, things in the works related to the redevelopment of Golden Gate Village. And so we'll um, tag team a little bit on this presentation and hit um, some of the major activities underway. Uh, next slide. So we will touch on the developer selection process that's underway, um, the overhoused situation at Golden Gate Village, which is both related but different from the efforts to revitalize Golden Gate Village, uh, the corrective action plan with HUD, and then the work underway with the Resident Empowerment Fund, resident involvement, and the work with the Golden Gate Village Resident Council. Next slide. Um, so as, as a... Uh, background, uh, many of you recall, and, and, and most of you participated in the approval of the Golden Gate Village redevelopment framework in November of 2022. And that, um, that uh, document established a vision, goals, um, and desired outcomes for the redevelopment of Golden Gate Village. Uh, it also instructed staff to move forward with the selection of a developer partner to assist with the implementation of the goals and objectives identified in that plan. So that work is underway. Um, the RFQ was published on May 22nd. Uh, it is on the street. Um, that RFQ uh, was produced in, in close concert with the Golden Gate Village Resident Council. There was quite a bit of back and forth with the Resident Council and some of their advisors to craft a document that, that um, 
articulated the, the desires in a developer partner and articulated the goals in a way that, that, that all parties, you know, saw as, um, um, I don't want to say appropriate, but, but were, were the right words uh, to use in that document. And so we worked quite extensively with resident council to, to get to a point where that, that document was okay for all the parties involved. It was published uh, and we have been marketing it widely. Um, the, um, and we held a pre-proposal conference last week uh, where we invited prospective developers to join in a Zoom call to answer questions that they might have uh, about the project, about the process um, as they work on their ideas for the project. Um, so that will that work will continue through the RFP, uh, the RFQ being due uh, in July. We have also put together an evaluation committee. So there's a nine member group that will uh, evaluate proposals and work on a recommendation. I'll talk about that process in, in just a second. The RFQ is available on an um, electronic web platform called OpenGov. Uh, this is a platform that the Marin Housing Authority uses for public procurements. Uh, and it provides a, a platform that allows for both um, transparency in, um, for the housing authority and who is looking at it. So you can get a good sense of who's downloaded it and who might be taking an interest. It also provides a nice uh, internal controls for publishing addendums, for receiving the proposals. Uh, so everything is very um, clear and transparent. Uh, and we're, we're doing our best to promote this opportunity widely. Uh, so there, while the applications will be due, or the proposals rather will be due through OpenGov, um, the availability or the, the, um, this opportunity is being promoted on the Housing Authority's website uh, through the NARO website. NARO is the Trade Association for Housing Authorities nationally, uh, through a, another procurement platform called Housing Agency Marketplace. Um, there's been a little bit of local media attention, and then through direct email um, so that have been pushed out to the affordable housing development community to make them aware. So we're trying to um, widely promote this opportunity to gather as much interest uh, in this partnership as possible. Next slide. So here's a, a little bit more about the process. Uh, so the, again, the uh, framework was adopted by the board in late 2022. Um, and we've been kind of moving through steps to the point where the RFQ was published last month. Um, the next step is for us to have an orientation with the evaluation committee. So we're gonna to bring together all nine members of the evaluation committee to talk through what their roles are. So we've, um, there was a little bit of rigor that we put into the selection of these committee members and asked them to formally um, accept this opportunity that they were invited uh, to join. Uh, we wrote roles and responsibilities for them so they knew what they were getting into. Um, talked a little bit about time commitment, talked a little bit about their, their job or what, what would be asked and why they were being asked. Uh, so there's clarity around what, what their job is if they say yes to being an evaluation committee member. Uh, we'll have an orientation with them as a group to, to go deeper in that and talk about the process, talk about what happens when they get a stack of proposals and what the rest of that process looks like. Um, the rest of this graphic shows that process. So we'll, uh, upon receiving them, we'll vet them internally and then distribute them to the evaluation committee. Um, in general terms, the role of the evaluation committee at their first meeting will be to you know, identify those who have kind of made the, the short list, if you will, and, and will be invited to an interview. We'll then presumptively have interviews with a group of teams. 
Following the interviews, we'll then have a second convening of the evaluation committee for them, for them to again uh, consider who best to move on in this process. Uh, the presumption here is that one um, team will be moved on out of the evaluation committee with a recommendation being made to the executive director, uh, Kimberly Carroll. Kimberly will then make her, uh, that recommendation to the, uh, to the subcommittee uh, of the board who will then make a recommendation to the board. Um, we're currently planning for that um, board action to be sought in September at your September board meeting. And you can see the dates over on the right that lead us to that, um, that target date of the Housing Authority Board in September. Next slide. Um, next, switching topics now onto the overhouse residents. So again, for the, for the sake of, um, for those listening or for the, for the board to recall, um, the overhouse situation predates and is separate from the, from the efforts to implement the revitalization of Golden Gate Village. The overhouse situation is kind of shorthand for the notion that a resident for a variety of reasons may be living in a unit which is larger than their household size um, dictates as appropriate. Uh, so often that is a individual living in a two bedroom unit um, and which is in excess, so that, that situation would be in excess of HUD standards. So HUD sets these standards. They set them for public housing. They also set them for the Section 8 program. Um, the um, HUD has let the Housing Authority know that, that the Housing Authority is kind of in, in breach of those, um, those standards and, and your funding agreements from HUD right now and has asked the Housing Authority to make these corrective actions. And, so the graph here illustrates the work that's been going on for a number of months uh, to move households into the right size unit. Um, that work is being done. It, it's difficult work. It's difficult for the housing authority. And frankly, it's difficult for the residents who are being told that, hey, something's not right here and they need to move from their unit to a more appropriate sized unit. Um, we're at a point where there are some now constraints that are, that are um, being run into. And so the pace, which was going at a good clip, is likely to slow down a little bit because of availability of units. Um, and so as, as units become available, they're being offered to residents, uh, but the, the pace at which they will be available is likely, um, it will be the big driver for how quickly the remainder of the roughly 33 households can, can be moved. Um, so that work continues. Um, and again, that work is separate from the revitalization. And it, it, in, I know that Kimberly and her staff are making very clear to the resident council and to residents that you know, this is related to the notion of you can return to Golden Gate Village, but also different. So you don't have the right to return to the wrong size unit. You do have the right to return to Golden Gate Village. And there's, there's an overlap there, certainly. Um, but we, we want to make crystal clear that the, the promise of returning to Golden Gate Village doesn't supersede the need to, um, to um, assist families with moving to the right size unit. Next slide. Um, the corrective action plan. So folks may recall that HUD is, uh, and the Housing Authority are in this agreement that relates to um, some, of the some of the issues that HUD had identified with the operations of Golden Gate Village. Largely, the plan to revitalize Golden Gate Village is, is the response to the corrective action plan. So a number of the things that get kind of granular in the corrective action plan and speak to HUD process or HUD um, criteria 
um, will be satisfied when the Golden Gate Village revitalization uh, begins. Uh, but a, a couple of the major milestones that, um, that are in that plan are illustrated in this slide. Uh, so you can see that a number of the overhoused milestones have been achieved when that pace was moving rather well. The Housing Authority has asked HUD to modify the end date for um, completing that task to June of 2024, so roughly a year from now. And again, that's because of the constraints that are understood and um, have been communicated to HUD about finishing that task. Um, the the um, revitalization plan went to the board again in November of last year, so that has been completed. Um, and then a, a big milestone that HUD is focused on and a lot of folks are focused on is satisfying the environmental review process. Uh, and embedded in that for HUD, which is HUD's NEPA compliance, is the, um, the 106 process, which is the historic preservation um, uh, review and approval by SHPO. Um, so we moved that out to the to September of this year to allow for some time for the house, for the developer to be identified and um, to be closer to being on board. That environmental review process has begun uh, with the housing authority, and we're we're beginning to move forward towards gathering the documents that are necessary for that uh, for that work to be done. So that that's a big step, and the the work on that is 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 rolling. And then the the a major step on this list is, is the last, is the submission of the Section 18 application to HUD. Folks may recall that the, the board instructed the Housing Authority to move forward with the Section 18 disposition um, step as the means to convert the property from public housing to the Section 8 platform. Uh, and so we're looking at submitting that application in June of 2024. Uh, so those are the major milestones. These have been communicated to HUD and I think it's fair to say, I'm not speaking for HUD, but I think fair to say that um, HUD is, um, is pleased or is, is, is certainly um, you know, um, tracking and expressing the fact that they are satisfied uh, with, with the pace uh, and the, the progress that's being made. And so I, um, I feel good about HUD's response to the reports that have been made to them and the, the request for changes. Next slide. But at this point, I think Kyla is going to um, speak the next couple of slides. Good afternoon again. It's nice to see you all. Um, again, I want to thank you for providing us um, the opportunity to do this great work at Golden Gate Village. I love being in the community. Um, so I'm going to focus on the next two slides, which are really about resident engagement and involvement. Um, we are looking to increase meaningful engagement of all of the residents of Golden Gate Village. Um, increasing involvement and participation is a priority for structure and for the housing authority. Generally speaking, turnout at both resident council meetings and MHA sponsored events is low, but that just means we have more work to do. So we're looking at best practices and models for engaging residents. I'm gonna be working with Orlando who has people in and out of the community center to how we meet residents where they are to increase the leadership capacity of all the residents of Golden Gate Village. We're getting different voices, but we know that there are many more voices to incorporate in that. As a part of our framework that we passed in November, we said that we were gonna support the Golden Gate Village Resident Council more. And so building on our recent elections and all of the people, there were 11 people that went up for those five board seats or 
Royce included in that. Um, we're going to build on that leadership and that energy. Uh, we're looking at providing them with training and uh, board development education so that they can become a more cohesive group. In addition to that, the Housing Authority um, will be recognizing their bylaws and, and providing them with the support that they need to run meetings that issue minutes and have a record so that all residents at Golden Gate Village can know what the resident council is working on. And we can provide them with that administrative support to get that message out there in the community. Um, MHA has provided a $5,000 grant to support with their consultants in the RFQ process. The RFQ process is just one of many opportunities during the implementation of this revitalization framework in which we will have the opportunity to really engage residents. It was a good model. Uh, we incorporated a lot of the things that they suggested. And that's what we're all about, is creating real opportunities for real meaningful involvement. Um, we're also, MHA is also exploring the block captain program and the laundry room monitors suggested by the current Golden Gate Village Resident Council. And we're gonna implement some of those to make sure that residents are getting to work and taking ownership in their community. I have been hosting on behalf of MHA listening sessions since the beginning of the year. So now we are getting ready to have our sixth one this week. We've covered a wide variety of topics, mostly focusing our energy on providing uh, the county and the Marin Community Foundation with some of the information that they need or that we need to develop the Resident Empowerment Fund, but also on other things. Um, as we are bringing Golden Gate Village along, we have new faces that show up that don't have any idea what revitalization is or what it means or how it's gonna impact their families. So sometimes I slow down. Sometimes I start back at square one and we talk about what revitalization means and how it's gonna affect that individual. For some, that's repetition. They've heard that message before, but I think we can hit these families and these individuals with this message as many times as possible so that when we get to the activities, no one's shocked and no one's scared. And if they are, then they have other people in the community who they can talk to about what's happening. So as we are um, growing the Resident Empowerment Fund, which I'll talk about in just a moment, we wanna continue these listening sessions for MHA to provide a space for residents to come and say, hey, I have concerns. This will be outside of developer communications and outside of the resident council as a space for MHA to say, we're here, we stand with our residents and we're gonna help you through this process. Um, but we have been focused a lot on the resident, resident empowerment fund. We've toyed with a lot of things. Today, we're settled with the Golden Gate Village Resident Empowerment Fund. Ultimately, we'll have a board of residents and, and advocates and foundation people who can name that for themselves. But in the meanwhile, we are, MHA is working with the county and Marin Community Foundation to create the structure that the residents need to say, this is gonna work in our community in order to give out this money. So again, we've had five sessions. We focused a little bit um, excuse me, a lot bit on creating the structure for the Resident Empowerment Fund. We've also focused a little bit on the revitalization activities, and we had some really great conversations about how we build and support <coughs> the resident capacity and sustain that leadership at Golden Gate Village. So I'm excited to hopefully uh, bring some new voices to you so that you can hear the broad spectrum of uh, resident opinions and see their input in this revitalization process. Thank you. Next slide. Oh, I skipped. Next slide. Mike, do you want to um, go over this graphic? 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Kyla. So, so building on that, um, I wanted to talk to this graphic um, as we end our presentation. Um, so this is conceptual. And the intent of this graphic is to illustrate how the work that had been done um, and largely went into the revitalization plan and the, the, a lot of focus went on the physical redevelopment of the property is being combined now with, with more focus on the efforts around the resident investments and the social revitalization or the investment in people that live at Golden Gate Village. So intentionally on this graphic at the center are the residents who live at Golden Gate Village and the real estate. And so the, the idea here is that the decisions that are made, the plans that are put in place, the efforts that are pursued are all in service of the residents and the real estate. And the, the goals, the vision that were identified in the revitalization plan articulated in that kind of outer ring. Um, so the idea of residents' rights, self-sufficiency, opportunity, maintaining and preserving the affordability, um, the um, green and historic renovation of the real estate and addressing the basic capital needs of the property. The property is old uh, and, and properties that are old often have things that need to get fixed. Um, that outer ring there around the residents and the property are, are just several words, but they reflect the, the vision and the goals that are in the revitalization plan. They also reflect um, the articulation of those goals by the resident council and what they call their living large at Golden Gate Village document. There's a lot of similarity, um, if not identical um, uh, desires articulated in those documents. So the work that went into the creating the revitalization framework that was approved in November um, was about establishing this kind of this foundation that the work on the left side of this graphic is now is now um, using as its foundation to pursue the selection of a developer, the um, the environmental review, the Section 18 application. So all of the steps that will be taken by the parties, and then you can see there are the parties that are involved the housing authority, the to be identified developer, uh, the resident council, the county, and then kind of as an outer ring from those, the, there are more players that are involved. Uh, so the architect and builder, uh, the general contractor, advisors to the resident council, um, you know, their, their stakeholders. So these are definitely players and the folks that have a stake in this that are supporting the folks that are core to the implementation. So that, that's on the left side. And now we're trying to do the same thing on the right side. As Kyla had mentioned, there's a lot of work that's gone into um, creating the foundation for the resident empowerment fund. So the housing authority, the community foundation, the resident council, the county coming together and having a shared vision, like what happened with the real estate side of things, but how the investment in the, the people, who the residents who live at Golden Gate Village can also occur. These two things will occur together. And there are in some ways kind of two different groups of activities. The work that goes on to hire a design team and get a building permit and fix buildings is different than the actual tasks that will go into identifying how to invest resources in people. But what is common is that it's all in service of the same people who live at the same property. And so we we created this graphic to illustrate how these two different things are very much related are being worked on at the same time by many of the same players. And you know, this becomes kind of a, 
a graphic to to try to have a, a a single snapshot that shows how these two things relate to each other as we keep moving forward through time. So with that, I'll I'll stop, um, and that's the end of our formal presentation. And, and uh, I'll turn it back to uh, Kimberly, Kyla, uh, if they have anything else to add, and certainly I'll stay on if there are any questions. Great, thank you, Mike and Kyla. Um, you know, as you can see, we're doing a, we're doing a lot. It's really a, we're busy, <laughs> and it's actually moving forward. It's been quite a milestone to get the RFQ out into into you know into the community and uh, really begin this this journey. And um, so I'm excited to get going and all the other things that were happening at the agency. So with that, it's the end of my um, executive director's report, and I'd like to just ask and answer any questions you might have. Great questions. I see a light on, Sarah, is that a question? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I just wanna make sure I understand. So with the, the Golden Gate Village, um, you'll start, the overhousing is gonna be completed before you start looking at the wait list, just to be clear on that, right? Uh, for one bedroom, that is true. Right, are you, you guys are still at a, uh, I'm sorry, I should have let you finish. Um, you guys are still at, uh, looking for more one bedrooms to house people, right? Correct, yes. We will start pulling some people off the wait list though for our fours, threes, and twos. That's awesome. Okay, and so my other question is, um, as far as the, um, are you guys still looking uh, the status, I think we talked about the landscaping contract. Yes, the landscaping contract was out for bid and we, we've gotten a couple of uh, proposals in and we're having a, we're having those reviewed and hopefully making a selection in the next couple weeks. Okay, Do, is the resident council part of that process? Just wonder. Uh, the women helping all people is part of that process. Oh, okay. Um, and um, yeah, the resident council is great. I actually administered their uh, <laughs> oath when they uh, had their first meeting with the new members. Um, and then um, I wanted to ask a question about the laundry rooms because um, I just saw, I saw it mentioned there. Um, will you guys be putting in new machines? I know sometimes you've had trouble with machines in the laundry room and stuff. And I know that you guys have that bulletin board. So I'm just assuming that probably Orlando is putting uh, a lot of these flyers and stuff. Because I know I used to look at the flyers in the laundry room just to make sure people are looking. And, and to ask, nobody's ever mentioned the storage rooms because I know I never got a chance to use the storage rooms in 419, they were just sitting empty. So I'm just curious if that's something that's on the table. It is the laundry rooms. We are working with the resident council to see if they want to take over the management of the laundry facilities and the laundry rooms. We do have a vendor. So right now, and we, we would be looking at, they would be looking at getting a new vendor to have uh, washers and dryers in the, in the laundry rooms. Uh, we do use the bulletin boards and um, and near the trash and everything to make sure we get people we we get all of the flyers out to the community. That's one one way. Um, and then the the room, yes, the storage rooms. That is something that the property Yashika is working with staff and residents to try to find out um, who's still using them. And, right, yes, because right. They, it is a great resource for folks as they live there to have some place to store some things. Right. And then my last question is. Um, is there um, plans to do something about, and 
we've talked about it, about what used to be where they used to hang the laundry, you know, those brick areas to maybe repurpose them in a revitalization program or just period, because it's a great space, like maybe, you know, for barbecues or something. Yeah. So I just, that was my last question. That is a great space. And I think that's going to be what, what will come out of the, with the development partner that we find. And, and that does seem like space should be used for something. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, uh, just a quick question on the, the goal of zero, uh, getting to zero for the uh, overhouse. Is that an absolute zero or does it have a definition of like a functional zero? Because I'd have to imagine at any given time, there's always going to be five or 10 people. So is it, is it an absolute zero? No, it's really more of a functional zero. Um, but, um, and we're, you know, we, we've got some ideas of, we, we've got a couple, we've got, we manage a lot of project-based wait lists. So we've put this, we put a preference on those wait lists that would allow people living in Marin City, public housing who would like to get on those wait lists. Uh, so there's a lot of different ideas, but to your point, it, it, we, it, it's more of a functional zero. We have over the years, we thought we were gonna be building. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't really, um, we weren't acting on moving people because we knew we, we thought we were going to be building. When we took a, when we decided we weren't going to build any new units back in November, HUD said that's great, but you really do need to address the families that are overhoused. So at that time we had 87, we're down to 33 right now, um, but we do need to correct. We do need to do some size corrections for sure. But, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yes. Are you satisfied with the engagement that you had at the pre-proposal um, call on June 6th? Yes, it was a, I felt like it was a really good turnout. We had probably about, um, you know, 11 developers and um, we also had some architects and some other folks on the call as well. So yes, I think it was successful. Great. I will say from the developer community, uh, the RFQ is being very well received and is getting a lot more attention than actually I anticipated. Yeah. Um, I, Kimberly, I had a question. I may have asked you of this before, but does HUD allow for roommates? In other words, if we've got two single elderly women who might like to share a two bedroom unit, are they able to do that at all? Um, not really. I mean, if they, if you have um, two people who are considering themselves a household and they can move in, they wouldn't be roommates. They would be household members together. So they would, their combined income would create, would pay the rent, um, would, would be the amount of the rent. Um, actually, I'm not saying that very clearly because it gets into the weeds, but um, it's supposed to be families together now, but if I'm considering myself a family and the two of us are going to move in together, we could do that if we were on the wait list together. I couldn't just have a, a, a roommate move in with me if I lived at, in, a, in a two bedroom in Golden Gate Village. No, I, that, I'm not saying this okay. correctly. Of the existing residents, if two of them who were overhoused decided that they could share a two bedroom apartment, would HUD allow that, or could we see if they would? This is trying to deal with overhousing for people that just need a one bedroom when we don't have enough one bedrooms. But the idea of room, being roommates doesn't seem out of the question, per, just as a construct to me. Yeah, the regula uh, the HUD regulations really have very specific as to who I can add into my household. Uh, they have to be related to me. So. And it, is there it any doesn't, way to get exceptions? There might that? be, and I'd have to look into that. Oh. But yeah, 
I just think it might be worth pursuing. I'll tell you what motivates me is our home match program that, that we are doing in other parts of the county, trying to uh, team up seniors with other household members who rent bedrooms from them. So anyway, I'd love it if we could just explore it and see okay. if we might get special consideration given the situation we're in. And, and there may or may not be takers, but there might be. So. Okay. Um, I had a question for Orlando. I thank you so much for this. Uh, well, for all your flyers, but I just want to confirm that before you were bringing these services that you're now bringing to the community uh, center at Golden Gate Village, how how would people access Community Action Marin and HHMS? Would, would they have to come up to Civic Center or go somewhere else? <laughs> We no, want to you get you on the microphone, though, and make sure you're record recorded. I just, I wondered, just where were the services available before you brought them? Oh. People have to commute to get them, and now they don't. Previously, the services were pretty much uh, conducted at the county. So uh, county office or San Rafael area for YWCA. Uh, and some of the other programs. However, since the programs have came to the community, it makes it easier for a lot of community members because they don't have to drive Uber, uh, ask a neighbor to take them. We're right there in the community. So, That's yes. Please. Mm -hmm. Sure. Actually, it's not quite true. They actually were available down at Martin Luther King Academy previously every, every summer. Which programs are you talking about? Community Action Marin Health and Human Services. They were available in one of the offices. They actually, I've been there for quite a quite a long time, and I don't think all of those programs were previously there. Those two were. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I accessed them myself. That's why I know. Cool. <laughs> awesome. I have a question for you, Orlando. Yes. I I have to say this because. I wish we have all these services and then we have, you know, we're uh, saying that how great the paint looks on the pickleball court and we got the basketball court, but I haven't seen anything in here says uh, education for kids, tutoring, because I know we need to develop great minds rather than great NFL players or would be NBA players, you know, and we need to have a tutoring session for the kids. We need to raise the GPA of our kids coming out of Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. And we need to have an avenue for them to be able to get that homework done before they go out and shoot that basketball. See, when I was growing up, I couldn't go out unless I had my homework done. So I know there's a lot of single parents, single mothers who are raising kids. They, they work, they don't have time to really go through the backpack to, to find out about the teacher, parent teachers meeting sometime. So I, a lot of little kids slip through the cracks when it comes to the education piece. We need to really focus on that with this next generation of young kids. We just graduated some kids going to high school and hopefully they don't struggle. But you know, uh, you know, in that community center we've got people for open mic for rapping. We need to have open mic for education mm -hmm. and get something done. And uh, I, I, you know, uh, you're gonna keep hearing this from me until 
we figure out something to do for the after school program because Bridge the Gap is gone. You know, and something we need to focus on getting these kids to be able to go to some historical black colleges. We need to have some of these kids. We know that there are some great minds there that could go to UC Berkeley, Stanford, become doctors because there's proof. We have a doctor, Tally, who grew up in Marin City, who's become a doctor, who's a fellow at Stanford. So I would like to see more focus on some education stuff going on in that center and uh, some help for the single moms and the parents. And maybe you being a dad and you know how you help your kids get off to go to college, your son, they were doing very good. So I would like to employ you to figure out how to have a tutoring session for after school for this upcoming year. <clears throat> Uh, thank you for stating that. Uh, I'll go ahead and jump the gun. Um, I am in the process of working with the local library to get educational reading to our community. I was on a meeting today for higher learning, which uh, local housing authorities are connecting with the schools to alleviate absentee truancy. So one thing I've been doing is communicating with the Marin County Public Library, who's, who I'm trying to have them come in to do reading sessions. That's the first step. The second step is connecting with the schools, which I've been meeting with uh, Philip Logan, trying to figure out what we can do for our youth in a community. So I haven't overlooked it. I just haven't mentioned it, but I'm, that's one thing I'm passionate about. You know me, kids is my passion, and I will not let a kid drop at the wayside if I have anything to do with it. The next thing is Bridge the Gap has collaborated with Hannah Project, and they're both in the community doing after-school programs for this summer. Um, I will make sure, and thank you for calling me out because I like a challenge to get more educational programs into that center, so thank you. Okay, and so before you go, yeah. There's another name that you probably mentioned, Royce McLemore. She has a school, and I'm sure for the residents in Golden Gate Village yes. who are familiar with her, yes. they will be more than comfortable with her having a, maybe a tutoring program for school because she has the experience. So that's something that you maybe, as you look at these other parties from the outside, let's take a look on the inside and figure out what can happen? Yes, thank you, Commissioner. Great. Right, I'm gonna, yes, Katie, I'm sorry, please. Sorry, uh, one thing, Kimberly, um, and this is related to your uh, report out. Um, I just wanna just clarify for, for folks. Um, so the South Elysio Permanent Supportive Housing um, those those vouchers that are being issued and the folks are coming through coordinated coordinated entry. You refer to the units there as SROs, and well, technically under HUD definition, they are single room occupancy units. I just for the for the commission and the general public, you know, these are long term leases that folks will be entering into. Each of the units does have some sort of really basic 
uh, kitchen facilities so folks can, you know, prepare their own meals in their units. And then there's a, a full-on kitchen uh, for communal use that's part of the program, along with all the other support services that are part of that program. And I just want to call that out because I know some folks have a, have a, um, making a, a, a SRO means can mean different things to different people. Yeah. Thank, thank you for that clarification. Thank you. Thank you for the report. I'm going to open uh, now to public comment to see there, there's no one in, in the public in the chambers here. So is there anyone online uh, who wishes to comment on these reports? Yes, the first speaker is George McLemore. Please unmute. Good afternoon, all. Uh, a couple of, a few things as it relates to the overhouse. Um, Last night at our resident council meeting, we uh, urged Kimberly to step up boldly and be innovative as it relates to uh, one of the buildings, one of the high rise buildings to be converted into one, one bedroom handicap accessible units, which would free up uh, 21 uh, one bedroom units. That's that's one thing, so that our people can remain right here in the community. And that should be the approach of going forward. Because on the flip side, in listening to what you're saying, uh, you're talking about uh, you know, no right to return for overhouse unit. But you didn't say anything about what you're gonna do with that person. And so I, I'm, you know, knowing who I'm working with, uh, going to force them out of Marin City. And if I've said it once, I'll continue to say it. You cannot force any resident out of Marin City, particularly Black people out of Marin City. So that's why we came up with an alternative, make more one bedrooms available. But you did not say uh, that a, a person had a right to return. You just said they can't return to overhouse, but if you don't have a place for them, then what? Then what? We need to hear what is your plan if there is not, if there's not a full uh, bedroom size unit for, for that resident. We need to hear that before we go any further. Really. Okay, next speaker, please. The next speaker is Damien, please unmute. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Uh, I want to, it's not an anti-MHA comment, but I really appreciate Homer Hall's uh, comments regarding education. Uh, it's not a new topic, not a new movement, but as a commissioner, I appreciate you uh, saying that, Homer, about the community. Uh, Marin City, Southfield School District is a, is a district, not a school, a district of 325 students. Ten years ago, well, five years ago, it was a district of 500 students, and so many are failing because it's a political mess. The county, what part of that are you involved in? Has been this political mess. Grand County Office of Education, where have they been in this political mess? Thank you, Homer, for saying that. Education, we know that. I don't need to tell you that. It's all important, as Terry Green has told me many times. A community goes as education goes. 
a district of 325 students, a district with so many struggles. Why? Nonprofits in the community, nonprofits outside the community, Sausalito, Rank County Office of Education, wanting to, uh, wanting to streamline black kids into Mill Valley. For some reason, there's a movement to, to end our district and to streamline our kids in the Mill Valley. What will happen then? That's the movement that no one's talking about. The county, you know that. So, Homer, thank you. Black kids are being used as political pawns. When will it end? And I'll say this, my last comment. Some of this stuff will end one day when the community comes across the right, right law firm that'll give you guys the biggest lawsuit you've ever heard or seen. That's where the end, hopefully. Thank you. Okay, we're at time. The next speaker is Marguerite. Please unmute. Hello again, Marguerite Moriarty. Um, uh, I want to reiterate um, that I uh, agree with Homer and Damien. Um, I think um, so many people that I talk to um, address the issue of education and um, I think that's where it really uh, begins. Um, and I'm most interested in the um, the Golden Gate Village Resident Investment uh, Fund. I'd like to know more specifically, you know, what are the things that are being done through this uh, that's listed in the flyer here of the 500,000? Um, what are those specific things that the residents are getting access to? How does that create wealth or uh, help them to improve um, their life. So, um, you know, I, I uh, maybe Kimberly could answer that. Thank you. The next speaker is Johnson Reynolds. Please unmute. Yes, do you hear me? Yes. yes sir. Okay, thank you very much. I, I live in Marin. I'm right now in Maui with my sister who's having health problems, but I'm still online. I'm concerned about what happens at Golden Gate Village. I support what Royce McLemore mentioned today. I'm very concerned about people being displaced out of Golden Gate Village and where are they going? Are, there's a couple of places in Marin City where they can go, maybe public housing or other options there where they can be put un, until this overhousing thing has been uh, resolved. And you know they have, should have a right to return they need to be able to stay in Marin City. That's where they live. That's where their lives have been. We have families and individuals and disabled people, seniors need to be able to live where they want to live. And we need to provide space for them in terms of displacement, but also opportunities for their return to Golden Gate Village or other places in Marin City where they know what the life is and what, what it's all about. I thank you for Homer Hall talking about education. We do need to have recreation possibilities for people. We have the, uh, the stars and those kind of things in terms of art. We have Hannah's Hannah, Hannah project where it can be part of a solid creative tutoring that reaches to people and what they're experiencing as students and children 
and, and that oh, kind of thing. I'm sorry. And I'm and sorry, Johnson. Really I've let you run over. I'm sorry. Kind of way, and they Good go. time. Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. David, are you wanting to comment? Okay. With all the talk about education and how to um, make Marin City whole again, I think it really is important to look at the longer history and the burning of the cottages, the burning of the wartime cottages. Um, and the fact that the entire community was cheated um, out of even the right to stay in Marin City, even in the housing project, because the housing project was only built to accommodate a small percentage of the black residents of Marin City. It's one reason I keep bringing up the Risley letter, the letter written in 1958 by Bruce Risley. And I've been meaning to publish an, uh, a follow-up article about Bruce Risley um, because his life was incredibly important and it touches on so much labor history uh, and so much was going on in the county at the time. He was really fighting. In the end, what he was really fighting for was the right for the community to have affordable housing that it could own itself. That was his plan. And he came very close because the 1950s uh, in in Marin were much more progressive than uh, Marin County is now. And I even have pictures of, of uh, the Tam High Pool from that era when it was racially integrated. And um, as many of the Board of Supervisors are tired of hearing me say, <laughs> it is no longer the case. That is how we first met actually on that issue. Um, but I, I hope that we will look at, I, in 2019, I, I wrote an article for the Marin IJ about how Marin City really could be an ideal uh, reparations project. Uh, it, it could be a, a land transfer back to the black descendants of the shipyard workers. And I still think that's an idea to keep in mind because uh, it seems like, time. yeah, uh, I think I have nine seconds. Yeah, yeah uh, sorry, I saw oh, a yellow I'm looking at this clock. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, but it, it looks like you're you're arguing over these tiny little details, but really, what is owed is a larger land transfer. Thank you. Okay. All right. We're going to close public comment now. Uh, Kimberly, is there anything you'd like to respond to? Um, perhaps to development plans and trying to work out a building for single bedroom units seems like something that's in the future. Yes, that would be the future. We we are still trying to look creatively to get to functional zero with over housing, but also work with HUD to figure out you know how do we not displace families who who want to who want to stay in Golden Gate Village? So we are we are going to continue to have that conversation with our developers and our resident council and and with you as the board um, and with HUD of course. And then also with the with the resident investment fund, we just we are still in we have nothing's nothing's happened. We've not given out any of that money yet. Um, we are working to to figure out how that structure is going to happen and how the how the residents want that those funds to be utilized. So that's still a work in progress and with the community. Great. So thank you. And and I would just add a couple of things. Mm -hmm. uh, the resident empowerment fund. I, yeah, you're completely right, Kimberly. And the and the county is a partner in that as a donor. And so we'll be there right with you to help work through uh, the next steps on this to shape it up. I think it might be useful to invite uh, the uh, Sausalito Marin City School District in one day to give a short presentation on the community school, which I know you've been participating in those discussions, Kimberly. And this is a wraparound support, uh, full community school concept. 
to bring families in uh, with students and uh, look at what kinds of services and support. And so I think there's an obvious connection with Golden Gate Village um, and, and others in uh, Marin City. So let's, let's get that out where people can learn more about it. And then finally, uh, I wanna remind some of the speakers today that we chose a renovation only uh, uh, option in response to what we heard uh, uh, the community at Golden Gate Village wanted. And when we did that, we knew that we were um, uh, cutting off uh, the construction of new units. It doesn't mean we can't see if it's feasible to convert one of the buildings, and I think we should. But I want to remind people that there is a project in Marin City, the A25 Drake, and the uh, developer is looking to downsize it into a 40-unit project. And that could provide the needed units uh, and was on the uh, table five or six years ago by Marin Housing Authority to put five, 40 units there. So uh, let's, let's keep this in mind as an option as we go forward. Okay, I'm gonna move us to the next item uh, and that will be the ACOP uh, revision to admissions and continued occupancy plan. With this item, there's a, it, we're asking, HUD has given what they call um, HOTMA, and it actually, what it stands for is the, yo, sorry, is the Housing Opportunity Through Modernization Act of 2016. So HUD started this for these changes in 2016, and they are just starting to implement some of them now in 2023. The so this, this is going to be the first one that we're bringing to you as the board of one of the changes that this one starts to take place in July. So we, we have um, met with our resident advisory board and resident council, and I'm gonna have Kathleen Wyatt, our director of housing operations, just talk about her, the process and, and what the change is. Yeah, hello, good afternoon. I'm not as good as at public speaking as Orlando and some of these other folks, but um, I will do my best. Um, so yes, as Kimberly said, this is the section 103 that becomes effective. It actually became effective March uh, 16th, but we had until July 14th to implement it. And this is uh, adding a definition of over-income family to our ACOP, the Admissions and Continued Occupancy Policy. Um, the definition of over-income family is a family whose annual income exceeds the over-income limit, um, which is determined by multiplying the very low income rate on this uh, income limits sheet that I included, and the, um, the very low income amount by 2.4, a factor of 2.4. So far, none of our public housing families near this limit, so it's not really an issue yet. So we added that definition on page 25 of the ACOP. And then we also had to add under um, continued eligibility for the public housing program, a definition of what happens where you, in order to remain um, eligible and not become an over-income family. Because if you're over-income for 24 consecutive months, and that 24 months begins at either the um, annual or interim re-exam, where we calculate your income, if you're considered uh, over income for 24 consecutive months, then your um, participation will end in the public housing program. Um, they get notices throughout in order to know what their status is and what the uh, termination date would be. 
and, and I want to make sure we, we did meet with the resident council, we met with the resident advisory board, and they were unanimous of, of this decision because the other choice was to let families stay on the, on the program but pay fair market rents for the public housing. And um, what everyone chose and what we agreed with was the idea of we really are, our focus here is to really house very low income and low income families. And that was the goal. And so that, that's, what, that's what we're going. And we will be, you know, this was a process. It would be a two year process. We would be helping families transition onto the next place that they would live. We would make sure if a family's making um, good income, it would, we'd wanna make sure they were working with our family self-sufficiency program for sure. And any of our home ownership opportunities. So there's a lot of different opportunities. We would be working with families in that position. Thank you for that clarification. Let me ask the board, are there any questions about this? I don't see any. Uh, let's go online to public comment. Is there anyone who wishes to speak on the ACOP amendments? The first speaker is Royce McLemore. Please unmute. Uh, yes, I just want to say, uh, I don't know when uh, Kimberly brought this to the resident council. She was there last night and I, I'm seeing today there's information that she could have brought to our board, but it was some, you know, little lightweight stuff. We, this is my first time hearing it. She couldn't have had, it couldn't have happened the meeting before. So when, and you know, the truth has set us all free. Don't just sit up and just start barefaced, you know, just lying. Okay. Thank you. Next please. President Moulton Peters, there's, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Right, we'll close public comment. Um, we brought it, I brought it to the resident council on May 22nd, and we discussed it at the end of their meeting on May 22nd. I also brought it to the resident advisory board on May 24th, and Ms. McLemore was present there too. Okay, all right. Uh, we have received the report and uh, for the amendments, and I'm looking to the board. Actually, she might not have been at the resident advisory board, but she was at the resident council. resident council meeting. Okay, thanks for the clarification. Uh, are there any further comments on this item? I'll move uh, we approve the amendments to the admissions and continue occupancy plan for the over income policy. Great, we have a motion. Is there a second? Second. Okay, thank you. Motion Redoni, second, second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you. Okay, 14D, the established, the Director of Asset Management Job Classification. And the recommended action is to authorize the Executive Director to establish his position. Yes, this is a, um, a new position we're looking for at the Housing Authority to help us to oversee all of our, our um, assets, residential um, units that we own. So our 500 units of public housing, and plus we have a, a, a close to 100 units that are non-public housing units that are scattered throughout Marin. Um, this, this would be a, we're looking for somebody who has a lot of experience in managing properties and overseeing, uh, overseeing assets of this, of this magnitude, and also could have some experience in the tax credit world as we transition into tax credits where this, this position would be overseeing all of our maintenance, all of the property leasing of, of our public housing. This is, and um, we're really needing this additional help as we are a very large property owner and um, 
so so this is a new position that we feel it is needed in our in our with our job classifications okay great any questions Kimberly, thank you. So currently, who is taking care of the functions that we would be, the responsibilities that we'd be assigning director of asset management? It's really right now, it's been myself. And um, when it was, we had a deputy director, we had a little more, you know, depth. We don't have, without the deputy director, we're really finding we need this support. Currently, I have had a consultant, um, extra hire, her name's Elizabeth Campbell, who was from um, Contra Costa Housing Authority, who's been helping fill this fill this role. But she is really a, um, really wanting to retire, and she just jumped in to help us for the last few months. So that's the position. But it really has it. And then we have the property managers. We'll have a new property manager starting in our amp to our senior disabled sites next month. And then so there'll be the two property managers and the maintenance that will report to this this person. So, and thank you. And then, uh, so do you um, foresee, so if, if historically a lot of this function was sort of um, um, taken care of by a deputy director and or shared between the, the two of you at some level, mm -hmm. so do you foresee still needing a deputy director? How does this work in terms of the traditional historical management of MHA? There hasn't been a deputy director for quite a while. Right. Um, at this point, this I, I, I'm assuming I would not need a deputy director. This is going to fulfill the need of the agency with the rest of the team that I have. Uh, so I, this, this position would be, we've had a hard time, I'll be really honest, recruiting for a deputy director um, in moving to Marin with somebody with the kind of skill set we needed to, that knows public housing and, and the, all the property work that we're doing. So we, I've really decided we had that position open for a while. We had a couple false starts with some almost hires, and it just has, hasn't been able, we haven't been able to hire the position. So this would be in place of a deputy director at this point, and really taking on the whole oversight of, of public housing and, um, and, our, and our other properties that are managed right now by EAH. Okay, um, so I, I, I'm totally comfortable with going this direction, and actually I, what I would like to sort of ask through the chair, if at, I, I, you know, we've had a lot of focus on Golden Gate Village and appropriately, but there are a lot of other properties um, that are housing for, that, that we manage. And I really would love to have some sort of, you know, a report that basically gives us a, a status of the, the state of those other housing assets that we have. And this towards, you know, planning for the future as well, because things can be well-maintained, but that doesn't mean there's not future significant expenses coming up. And I wanna make sure that we're not running into a situation of really deferred maintenance mm -hmm. and um, that our properties are um, kept up to what they need to be in terms of also sort of climate change and fire risk and all that sort of thing. So um, I would look forward to somebody being really focused on our properties and whole, and then having some report come back to us in the near future or when a reasonable time period to really sort of give us a picture of um, the housing that we are responsible for and that is so important for those who are housed in, in that housing. Right, yes. I have a question. Here, okay. please. Uh, Kimberly, I, I'm kind of puzzled by this new position here. You know, uh, um, and, and my reason for this is in the last administration of the public housing, I don't think we had 
a problem with asset management. And so as we, uh, you know, uh, I, I kind of say, well, we have a property manager, so you're going to put someone on top of the property manager. So, and, and adding more managers to the situation that's already seems to be like that, seems to be a little bit overcrowded up in the management portion of this, of this situation here. And I have to say this, I mean, you know, and I, even I support you in this issue, but I mean, we need to take a look at, we keep creating new positions, new positions at management level. And so I think it probably would have been, you know, at some point when you were the deputy, I think we had someone to cover this asset management part of it. It's just, to me, I'm just kind of, I'm just, I don't understand it and I'm a little bit uncomfortable with it. So, but who am I? I mean, you know, it's just my opinion. I, I think we're creating a lot of unnecessary positions right now. Um, yeah, th thank you, Commissioner Hall. I um, I hear you. Um, where I sit, though, I I I I need the help. I really am um, as a dep as the executive director. I have really needed a, a deputy director to step in, and we haven't been able to find it. And so, in my thinking, the the large projects, I don't have property management experience, so I'm looking for a director that can really hold that whole um, portfolio of all of the properties that we own from everything that we need to report to HUD to provide all of the physical needs to make sure the maintenance and the capital projects are all getting done timely. Um, it's, um, it's a lot for just, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but um, the property managers are dealing with the daily, the daily operations of the project, but I need to make sure we've, we're, we're holding all of it together and really being able to report out on all of that and not just the one pieces that, you know, the, the parts that someone's in charge of. I hope that that clarifies a little. And again, we're not going to be bringing in a, a deputy director. Okay, uh, Supervisor Adoni. Yes, uh, thanks, Kimberly. I'm supportive of this today, but it might be good if you bring back a organizational chart showing what changes you've made and where you may want to be going, so we have okay. an overall view. Because I think there's under your leadership, there's been a lot of moving around of those pieces, and I don't remember recently that we've seen a organizational charts and sure. maybe coming back you could provide that for us sure thank you all right uh i'm going to ask oh. yes please Eric. Oh, i was just say i'm also supportive of it and I, I appreciate the comments and the concerns we hear but you know what i'm hearing is that it's a replacement of a position um of the deputy director in my you know 11 years of, of local government experience you know there's many many things that local government get right but one trend i have seen over times is that uh, asset management is an opportunity area and that kind of exists, I think, in many places in local government um, because we do own a lot of property and we need to be good stewards of the property that we own, make sure we're addressing the deferred maintenance. And uh, I do think it's above and beyond what a, what a property manager can, can do. So um, I do think this is, is the right move. Um, so I wanted to support you in that. Okay. Okay. Uh, yes, please. I just wanted to clarify. So this will be instead of the deputy director position and then you will have you already hired the other property manager or this person will be over both property managers right yes it, this person would be over both property managers and we have hired the other property manager 
who will be starting in uh, July, July 10th. And then this person will come in and mm -hmm. kind of close. Okay, gotcha. Want to clarify that. I'm gonna go to public comment now on this item on Director of Asset Management. And then after we take care of this issue, we'll have uh, public comment on other items. So is there any public comment on this particular item? Yes, Royce McLemore, please unmute. Uh, yes, but I, I just have a question as it regards to the, the asset management. Now, HUD in the year 2000, they transferred to asset management for all of their, of their public housing. And then when Dan Nackerman came, he did away with one of the managers and combined. They had to be able to do it all within the money that they get. Now, how is this going? Who's paying the salary for this asset manager? Who's paying the salary? Because before they, they had to cut back. That's when they, they cut back. Who, where is their money coming from? That's my okay. question. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. President uh, Mullen-Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Okay, uh, thank you for that question. My understanding was the salary is coming from salary savings from another position that is covered. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. So uh, is there any further discussion on this item? Is anyone prepared to move it? I'm, I'm happy uh, to move the item. Second. Okay, we have a motion and a second and I would add in Kimberly, if you can return to us at some point, maybe the next meeting with an org chart, I think that would be helpful for orienting us all. Great. We have a motion, Rice, second by Lucan. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, thank you. And we'll move now to public comment. Is there anyone who wishes to comment on items that have not been on today's agenda? And we'll go to online. President Mullen Peters, there are no additional. There, oh, we do have one. Royce McLemore, please unmute. Yes. I would still at some point and maybe uh, want to know where is that money coming from to pay for the asset management? You did not, the, the question wasn't answered. So, you know, offline or, or whatever we, where's yeah. the money coming from? Okay. All right, Royce, thank you. We'll, we'll get back to you with that. I think it was good to know what happened in 20. 2000 and we can see what's happening in 2023. So very good. I'm going to close public comment. And with that, I'm going to adjourn the meeting. Thank you to the members of the public who attended. Thank you for our staff and board who stayed late. Uh, and we are adjourned.